0: Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the Gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, all this liturgical year we're reading from the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew was written precisely for a Jewish audience, which is why we find over and over again, Matthew especially puts Jesus within an Old Testament context. He uses the text of the Old Testament to explain who Jesus is and what he's doing. Now, it's marvelous, and we need to do a little bit of unpacking, though, to understand what's up. Well, in our readings for this uh, weekend, the Church uh, juxtaposes uh, this passage from Matthew with a parallel passage from Isaiah. But listen now to what we hear in, in Matthew. He, Jesus, left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. And here's now the first reading. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen." Now, I'd submit, for most of us, that doesn't mean very much, that passage. But for Matthew's audience, for first-century Jews, they knew exactly what he was talking about. So first of all, what is this land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali? Remember, ancient Israel was divided into sections corresponding to the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve tribes that found their origin in the twelve sons of Jacob. So, for example, in the south, around Jerusalem, you've got uh, Judah and Benjamin, and then a raid throughout the Promised Land or these uh, various places. Well, way up north, so beyond the Sea of Galilee, you have this land of Zebulun and Naphtali, two of the sons of Jacob. And those were their kind of ancestral places. You say, okay, so, well, here's the so what. That was the land that was invaded by the Assyrians in the 9th century B.C. We know a lot about the Babylonian exile. That happened many centuries later when the southern tribes were taken away to Babylon. But prior to that, by about a century and a half, there was an invasion from the north. Assyria came into the northern tribes and took away some of the best and brightest of, of Israel. So the land of Zebulun and Naphtali is described how? the people who sit in darkness, those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death. That's a very ancient description going back to this time when they were carried off into exile. But now what does Isaiah say? The people who sit in darkness, yeah, those invaded by Assyria, Zebulun, Naphtali, yeah, they've seen a great light. Those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, yeah, I, I get it. This is terrible. And you know, what, what that meant, so we can blithely speak of, oh, the exile. But think about that for a second. This foreign power comes into your land, conquers, usually burns down your cities, destroys your fields. And then if you're lucky enough to survive, you're taken bodily, probably in chains, and you're taken away to a foreign land where you're kept more or less as prisoners. And this was a horrific fate. It's what happened to the northern tribes and eventually to the southern tribes. But that's why a land overshadowed by death. But what's happened, or what will happen, Isaiah says, a light has arisen. Now, this is typical of the prophets. (laughs) The prophets are very blunt and very clear about the negatives. They're not Pollyannish at all, the Hebrew prophets. No, no, no. If you're looking for that, you're not going to find it. They're very blunt and clear about what's going wrong with Israel. But then the typical move is to say, a light is coming. Liberation is on the way. God will do something great to reverse these reversals. And so, indeed, Isaiah predicts that from this suffering land, this land of darkness, a light will come. Think of a a parallel here. In the prophet Ezekiel, we hear that the corruption of the temple has become so great that the glory of the Lord has up and left the temple. That's an extraordinary, staggering, astonishing thing. For an Old Testament prophet to say, because the temple was the center of Jewish life. It was it was the dwelling of God on earth. It was the most sacred place imaginable. And to say, to say, well, God's presence has up and left the temple. I mean, it's like saying that it's the end of, of our religious life. But then, but then later in the prophet Ezekiel, we hear of a great day when the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord will return to his temple, will re-inhabit, and the temple will be renewed. And from the side of the renewed temple, water will flow forth for the renewal of the whole world. So yes, darkness. Yes, the abandonment of the temple by God. But the day is coming when the temple will be restored. Then we have the great promise from the prophet Nathan that that, uh, the line of David would last forever. Promise that God will not abandon David, and someone in his line will sit on the throne forever. But then the the Jewish scriptures couldn't be clearer at the Babylonian captivity that the last of the Davidic kings is carried away. The Davidic line ends. And then for hundreds of years, it's, it's interrupted. I mean, it looks as though that prophecy was just a lie. Now, what do we find in Jesus? And remember Matthew. Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience. And he's presuming his audience knows these texts and knows these references. What do we find in Jesus? When he comes into the temple, he declares the corruption of it, turns over the, the tables of the money changers. He says, I'll tear this place down and in three days rebuild it referring to the temple of his body. Yes, the temple was so corrupt that the glory of God left it, but, but in Christ, the glory of God returned to his temple. And yes, water, Ezekiel said, would flow forth from the side of the renewed temple. What happens when the Roman soldier pierces the side of Jesus on the cross, but blood and water come forth, for the renewal of the world. Yes, it happened in Jesus. The Davidic line, yeah, it looks like at the time of the Babylonian captivity, the Davidic line came to an end. Looks like that was just a crazy fantasy of the prophet Nathan. But what does the angel say to Mary at the Annunciation? but the one that you will give rise to will be called great. And he will receive the throne of his father David, and his reign will be without end." Ah, ah. Yes, the time of darkness at the Babylonian captivity. Yes, it looked as though the Davidic line was finished. But now, in this new definitive son of David, there is indeed a Davidic king who will reign forever. Now, go back to our Gospel. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness —yeah, yeah, yeah, we know, we know the Assyrian exile, we know this terrible suffering — have seen a great light. Now, did, did the ancient uh, Israelites see it? No. Sadly. I mean, those who were oppressed by Assyria, did they see the great light? No. Did Isaiah see it? No. No, not in his lifetime. But with his prophetic vision, what was he seeing? But the coming of Jesus of Nazareth. Remember in the Gospel of John, you know, um, oh, what we'll could come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Nazareth. Are you joking? Nazareth was a little nothing town. Ah, ah, but those who knew the Hebrew scriptures, they remembered this passage. Yeah, I know Nazareth might be a little nothing, but it's up there in the northern country, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. And Isaiah told us, from that land, a great light will arise. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, yeah, that terrible country where the Assyrians conquered, light has arisen. Jesus has come forth from this northern country. Isaiah didn't see that day. They didn't see it when they were being overrun by the Assyrians. But now, in Christ, this prophecy is ratified. Now, I'll close with this. How does this passage end? So, So yes, the light has come in a way that Isaiah predicted. But we move directly from this to the calling of the first disciples. What side are we on? Yeah, i mean Assyria. And there's a thousand versions of Assyria, up and down human history. You know what I'm talking about is oppression and violence and, and, and imperialism and, and the, the powerful taking advantage of the weak. I mean, that's the, that's the story of humanity. And a lot of us sinners, we get on the side of these oppressive armies in different ways. We side with these powers of darkness. But from that very dark place, the light has arisen, and Jesus, right away the light of the world, begins to draw to himself disciples, followers, learners, those who will struggle with him. Is the world a pretty dark place? Yeah, it always has been, everybody. I mean, even the most casual survey of history shows that. But we got no excuse, because the light has arisen. Yes, even in the darkest place. Ah, the glory of God seems seems to have left the temple. Yeah, I know, but he's come back. He's come back. Yeah, the Davidic line, it looks like it's it's, it's, it's hopeless, it's over. Yes, but it's been restored. So the point is, now get on this winning team. Get with this winning army. Join your life to the powers of the light. Become a follower and disciple of this light of the world that has arisen, yes, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. Yes, in the land of darkness, but join his band and let your light then shine in the darkness around you. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.